Welcome to the Citizens Report for the 1st of April 2021. I'm Elisa Barwick. Joining me today is Citizens Party Research Director Robert Barwick. Welcome. Thanks, Elisa. And I can confirm you are Elisa Barwick. This is not an April Fool's joke. <laughs> yes, and on today's show, everyone wants a national development bank. Just do it. And the one leader who refused to abandon regional Australia. So firstly, everyone wants a national Development Bank, just do it. Now, we're going to discuss today uh, the findings of the Joint Standing Committee on Trade and Investment Growth, which took place last year and into which we and others, and we encouraged everyone to intervene heavily uh, in this particular committee, which was examining uh, foreign investment coming into Australia and so forth. And we wanted to make it an opportunity to point out that we didn't need foreign money flows coming into Australia to develop our nation. We could do it internally with a national development bank. And guess what? That's what the committee recommended, a development bank. This is a really good sign, Elisa. What you, this is a government committee. The chair, George Christensen, is a member of the coalition government. Now, he is a national and, and they're, they're more moving in this direction faster than the Liberals. But there are Liberals who, uh, who would agree. It's the death knell of neoliberalism in Australia, it's one of them, right? It's one of the, 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 sound, the sounds of the bell um, that, that it's happening. From 40 years ago when everybody in Australia said, um, signed on to this idea that, this neoliberal idea, there should not be a government role in the economy and the specific thing they targeted in this 1981 report called the Campbell Report was any government banks, public credit institutions, they said privatise them all and they mm. did, right? And then in 2009, Joe Hockey said, the lesson of the GFC was that government should not be involved in banking. Well, now, 11 years later, his own government um, has said we need a national development bank. Exactly. And the exact finding is this. The committee recommends that the Australian government consider the establishment of a national development bank to assist in the development of Australian manufacturing capacity. Um, and they state in their final report that the committee received a number of submissions supporting the creation of a national development bank to fund long-term infrastructure projects, rebuild domestic manufacturing capabilities and limit reliance on foreign investment. And it goes on to cite a number of submitters, including from the Australian Citizen Party and other of our associates. So people should be really proud that they were even cited on this matter, they go on to quote the Australian Citizens Party saying that the ACP similarly outlined the potential benefits of a national development bank, which would both stimulate an expansion of manufacturing capacity in existing and new industries that would naturally find new export markets, which would diversify Australia's trade and be able to harness the $3 trillion pool of Australian superannuation funds to invest in Australian economic development, reducing our dependence on the costly foreign investment. And they cite various other investments, including Dr Mark McGovern, who testified. Uh, and the report concluded by saying that the committee believes that there is a greater role for domestic investment in the Australian economy. Domestic investment opportunities include Australia's superannuation savings, which could, with the right incentives from government, contribute to essential infrastructure and industry projects. A national development bank, which could reduce reliance on foreign investment and stimulate 
domestic economic activity is another option that warrants consideration. Now, this, this proves the, what we tried to do last year was successful, Elisa, because there wasn't this, this inquiry was being held in the context of you know, what was happening with COVID, and there was a lot of anti-China stuff. And of course, the diversified part is because Australia is so dependent on China, and some of the politicians involved were trying to turn this just into a, into a, uh, a China-bashing exercise. And when they talk about diversifying, their assumption was we shouldn't be so dependent on China as our partner. Let's can, can we can we move to India and other countries? And what we argue with the National Development Bank is the way not to be so dependent on China is to become more dependent on ourselves, mm. right? Have our own industries here, and you got it. How can you do it? Well, I talk to people in industry all the time, and they have so much potential here, and they just say we need all we need is investment. People who can see long term because we can scale up massively in this country and employ a lot more people in manufacturing. And that's why the National Development Bank says it's a good idea. And that got through, thanks to what we did, but also our supporters who participated through submissions. Yeah, and we'll have to talk about it more later, but the Labor Party, just ahead of their national conference, has also called for a $15 billion national reconstruction fund for manufacturing. So it's coming up everywhere. We just need to go ahead and do it. Yep. Now, we'll keep up the committee process and we'll tell you more of what you can do, but we're going to come back and talk about next the one leader who refused to abandon regional Australia. Welcome back to the Citizens Report. We're now discussing the one leader who refused to abandon regional Australia. And we are talking again today about Christine Holgate because without her... Australia Post today would be a mere shadow of what it could be and of course with the ongoing shutdown of banks and so forth regional communities would be left high and dry. Now I want to say at the outset that we've launched an, a change.org petition. Everyone should sign it themselves, circulate it as widely as you can. It's titled PM Morrison apologise to Christine Holgate and reinstate her as CEO of Australia Post. Now Elisa, people have to appropriate, one of the reasons that we're we're putting attention on Christine Holgate personally, is she deserves it, right? And so those who've followed the show regularly will know that when she got attacked for giving watches to executives back in October, um, nobody in the media talked about what they were for. Nobody in the government talked about what they were for. Nobody in the Australia Post talked about what they were for. We found that out and we publicised that, that these watches were rewards for executives who had pulled off the best deal in Australia Post history. But what people won't appreciate is how close, if it wasn't for Christine Holgate, how close regional Australia especially came to being cut off from all banking services altogether. Because there's, 1500, there's between 1,500 and 2,000 communities in regional Australia that don't have banks. And we run this um, graphic that we use, which was sourced from the Reserve Bank, which shows all those red dots that you can see on the screen. They are post offices that are more than 50 kilometres from the closest bank, mm. right? And if you, if you live in one of those communities that doesn't have a bank and you've only got a post office that you can do your banking at, then you have access to banking services. But if you lose that, what you don't, what you, you, get, you, have, you just sort of have to resign yourself to having to drive a long way to do your banking because everyone's got to do banking in one form or another. But then the town that loses that service withers and dies. Because there's lots of little businesses, you know, uh, bakeries and coffee shops and small IGAs, etc., where because people come to that little town to do their banking at the post office, 
they can go and spend money in other places as well, right? But when, but when you lose that fundamental mm. financial service and it goes off to the next regional centre, all the commerce goes to the regional centre too. And towns, regional Australia withers and dies. And so these post offices have been keeping that alive. In 2018, a review of the banking services that Australia Post provides put a cost on it of $48 million, saying this is costing us $48 million. We are losing $48 million providing this service, and most of that $48 million was coming out of the pockets of the licensed post offices. Right? Christine Holgate intervened mm. and said, well, we're going to have to do something about this. But the problem is the people who did the review, their recommendation was Australia Post should scrap the service, no longer provide banking services. Mm. And that recommendation would have been accepted were it not for Christine Holgate. She, of, of the decision makers around the table, she was the only one to say, no, we cannot abandon regional Australia and cut them off from all banking services. We just can't do it. And so she set out to, to make that service profitable. How? By making the damn banks pay, right? The service was on their behalf. It's serving their customers. The post offices are having these long queues serving bank customers. They should pay for the service and pay properly, not just a fee per transaction, pay for the infrastructure. And so she did this deal. She, she approached them and she did a deal with them to say, this is what you've got to do. Mm. Now, she pulled off this deal in October 2018, right? And we're going to play a clip now from Channel 9 at the time reporting the announcement of the deal. And you're going to see Christine Holgate and you're going to see my friend Angela Cramp, who's the executive director of the Licensed Post Office Group that I went to Canberra with. And you'll see how significant the deal was. A multi-million dollar deal has thrown a lifeline to one of the country's most endangered services. The local post office has been under threat, but a partnership with the Commonwealth Bank could save hundreds of stores. As technology prompts banks to close branches and ATMs, banking at the post office has become vital for local communities. We are basically the last man standing in many communities. We are here to work with all the banks if they close their branches. We are here to work with those communities. But who pays for the services has been an ongoing dispute with post office franchisee owners. We are underpaid for transactions we do, day in and day out. With post offices providing more and more services, they were getting busier. And it's compounded by banks closing ATMs and branches around the country, pushing more banking into the post office. Unless somebody paid, it was likely that post offices would close. There are 4,357 post offices, 357 more than its community service requirement. Without this deal, they were earmarked to close. We've had to seriously look to see whether we can afford to run all those post offices. The Commonwealth's had an agreement with Australia Post for 106 years. This deal sees it pay an extra $22 million a year for the next five years. Much of it will go to post office owners to upgrade security, training and staff. But it raises a question, is the bank planning further branch cuts? Well, people certainly shouldn't make that interpretation. We're committed to maintaining the largest physical branch network in the country. Now there's pressure on other big banks to sign up. There is a lot of people who use the post office and rely on it. Pensioners, vulnerable people. There's, it's a need in every community. Ross Greenwood, Nine News. So, Lisa, just to emphasise, were it not for Christine Holgate having the leadership foresight to see that was the solution and pulling off that deal, 
and the moral responsibility, the sense of civic responsibility to Australia's welfare as a whole, to a close to 2,000 communities in Australia would be cut off from all banking services now. One person, she stood in the way. And that's the deal for which she awarded the people who worked with her, really, who did really hard work, the Cartier watches, mm. $5,000 each, which, sorry, people, but in the real world, that is nothing. Yep. Right? They deserve they deserve two hundred thousand dollars each for crying out loud. And it's the that, deal for which she's been politically that's crucified. That's the deal for which she was crucified. So watch this next clip. We put out this video for why it's so important you sign the petition, because she deserves an apology and she must be reinstated for the sake of the country. Not for her sake, for the sake of our country. Watch it. It's time for Prime Minister Scott Morrison to man up and apologize to Christine Holgate and reinstate her as CEO of Australia Post. I'm Robert Barwick of the Citizens Party. Please sign our petition demanding that Scott Morrison publicly apologise and reinstate her as CEO. Christine Holgate has been exonerated by the government's own investigation. The report done by the Maddox Law Firm clearly says, there is no indication of dishonesty, fraud, corruption or intentional misuse of Australia Post funds by any individual involved in the matters relating to the purchase and gifting of the Cartier watches. What's more, whereas the previous CEO, Ahmed Faor, had racked up huge losses at Australia Post, Christine Holgate restored the business to profitability. Crucially, this included the small business community licensed post offices. Recently, we've seen the Prime Minister apologise to News Corp. Morrison had falsely claimed News Corp had its own sex scandal. This made headlines around the world. In fact, the Prime Minister even apologised on the floor of Parliament. I have apologised unreservedly for uh, what I did in bringing that matter into that press conference and to raising something I should never have raised. Speaking of shabby and insensitive treatment of women, what about Christine Holgate? Last October, Morrison slammed Ms Holgate on the floor of Parliament. I was appalled. It's disgraceful. The chief executive should stand aside immediately. So appalled and shocked was I by that behaviour. She's been instructed to stand aside. And if she doesn't wish to do that, Mr Speaker, she can go. It turns out Scott Morrison was completely wrong. Indeed, it is Morrison's behaviour which is shocking and appalling. Morrison's own investigation has proven it. OK, as Morrison himself said, Blokes don't get it right all the time. It's long past time to correct this egregious mistake. We've created a petition on change.org entitled Prime Minister Scott Morrison apologise to Christine Holgate and reinstate her as CEO of Australia Post. A blameless woman was slandered and vilified by the Prime Minister. Not only does she deserve to have her good name cleared, but this is also vital for the good of the nation. A healthy postal service is critical to our ability to function as a society. This is so urgent that I ask you to please take a moment right now. Click on the link you see on the screen. Add your name to the petition demanding that Scott Morrison apologise and reinstate Christine Holgate and share the petition as widely as you can. And I must say that the fact that Christine Holgate is willing to go back to that job after everything that's happened is a testimony to her as well. Uh, Lisa, there's a hearing coming up in a couple of weeks in Canberra on the inquiry that's into her now, into, into the way she was removed. So that, that's when the, the next 
um, round of revelations will come out. It's very important, therefore, that in the, in the meantime, we need to get a lot more support on that um, petition. Please sign it, share it, share it as widely as possible. You know the truth. You're fighting for the, like I said, you're fighting for the future of your country. Now, what, the, what we've discussed so far is how badly she was treated. There's a reason, though, for how badly she was treated. There's a, there was an ulterior motive, and what we've done in recent weeks is expose the privatisation agenda. We've got a video on that we haven't played on this show yet. So we're going to, in the next segment, Elisa, the whole, because it's an Easter special episode of the show, the whole next segment is that video. So please watch, when you come back, you'll watch that, and we're going to sign off now. And contact us for more information, and we'll see you again next week. Because of the intense public backlash to the removal of the CEO of Australia Post, Christine Holgate, the Senate has scheduled an official investigation into the matter. This is a historic breakthrough which opens the door to restore Christine Holgate to her position and flip the agenda so that an Australia Post Bank can become a reality. Evidence compiled by the Citizens Party now makes clear the true agenda behind ousting Christine Holgate. The Morrison government wants to privatise Australia Post and give a big fat prize to the privatising mafia. And Christine Holgate got in the way. How big a prize is Australia Post? Well, they had $7 billion in annual revenue as of 2019. It's part of a larger agenda. For example, the Boston Consulting Group, which the Morrison government hired in 2019 to write a report effectively preparing Australia Post for privatisation, wrote an article in October of 2018 entitled the $75 trillion opportunity in public assets. $75 trillion? Let's read a couple of sentences of the article. Central governments worldwide control roughly $75 trillion in assets, according to conservative estimates, a staggering sum equal to the combined GDP of all countries. But governments struggle to properly manage and monetize those assets due to a variety of factors, including a lack of internal expertise, the difficulty of accurately valuing some assets, and the tendency of government to take a short-term view tied to election cycles. Government leaders must take aggressive action to harness the value of the public assets under their control. Of course, Boston Consulting will be only too happy to help governments take that aggressive action. A handful of global consulting firms and banks have an agenda to grab government assets around the world for the benefit of a tiny handful of obscenely wealthy financiers. Public services are to be looted and plundered, while access to those services is savagely cut back to maximise profitability. Here's the evidence we uncovered that privatisation is the plan for Australia Post. In October of 2019, the Morrison government hired the Boston Consulting Group to write a report to advise the incoming chairman of Australia Post, Lucio Di Bartolomeo. Watch Labor Senator Nita Green ask Di Bartolomeo during Senate estimates on 9 November 2020 about the report. In November 2019, the Morrison government engaged the Boston Consulting Group uh, for $1.3 million to undertake a review uh, into Australia Post. Um, Chair, could you confirm the report which was initiated and prepared before COVID uh, actually recommended permanently cutting mail services and closing some post offices? Uh, Senator, we haven't seen the report.
Mr. D. Bartolomeo did not tell the truth. He misled the Senate. Here's the proof. A few months earlier, Senator Green had asked Christine Holgate if she had seen the report. And to, to be very clear, Ms. Holgate, have you seen, have, has Australia Post received a final copy of the report? I would have to take on notice whether Australia Post has, but Senator, I have seen several versions of it. A few minutes later in that hearing, Australia Post General Counsel Nick MacDonald confirmed... Uh, we did receive a, a draft, uh, or what's labelled a final draft, uh, dated the 21st of February. Why did Lucio Di Bartolomeo mislead the Senate? He's trying to keep the privatisation report secret from the public. Apparently, the Morrison government is afraid if people knew the real agenda was to privatise Australia Post and cut services, there would be a firestorm of opposition, which is exactly what is now happening. Privatisation has been a long-term goal. Consider the case of Ahmed Faor, who went to work for the Boston Consulting Group in 1993. Then he was the CEO of NAB Australia. After that, he became the CEO of Australia Post. The Citizens Party has previously reported on Faor's wretched performance as head of Australia Post. Under him, Australia Post had its first financial loss in 30 years. Faor then sold off assets, including the historic Sydney Post Office. He left with an $8.7 million bonus. Meanwhile, the licensed post offices were going bankrupt. In 2014, he hired his old firm, BCG, to prepare a report on Australia Post. A review of the Boston Consulting report by the Australia Institute noted, the key themes in the Boston Consulting Group report are clearly designed to deliver the ultimate goal of outsourcing and privatising the mail delivery business in Australia. In order to justify privatisation, Australia Post was supposed to show huge losses to be used as the excuse to downsize and cut back its services reducing or even removing its obligation to provide services undermines the argument for keeping it in public hands and gives an appearance of legitimacy on the need for privatisation. And downsizing helps to leverage a lower purchase price for investors. Angela Cramp, the executive director of the Licensed Post Offices Group, which represents at least a third of all LPOs, told the Citizens Party... We were expected... the. Part, the previous CEO predicted that Australia Post would be $300 million in the red by now. Before he left in 2017, Faor conducted an asset stripping operation and sold off $497 million worth of prime real estate holdings belonging to Australia Post. In contrast, Christine Holgate restored Australia Post to profitability, thereby fouling up the plans to privatise. Here's the icing on the cake. Where did Mr. Fahal go after leaving Australia Post? Why? Back to Boston Consulting Group, of course. Our sources tell us that one of the authors of the Boston Consulting Group article you see on the screen, in which they salivate about privatising $75 trillion in government assets worldwide, is also one of the authors of the secret BCG review of Australia Post that the Morrison government is now hiding from Parliament. This outrageous scandal, combined with the Senate inquiry we have achieved, is the unique and time-sensitive opportunity to turn the tables on the privatising mafia. 
Together, we can not only defeat the privatisation asset grab and save our postal service, we can also create an Australia Post bank that will be a self-sustaining institution and benefit all Australians. Please help us take advantage of this historic opening and click the link to sign our petition to create an Australia Post bank.